Hello and welcome to the Loose Spokes Podcast. I am Randall. I'm Roger. This is David. And David has joined us again this week. Hooray! <laughs> Rope uh, away is... from the work wheel. Hooray! <laughs> this is a, a podcast where we talk about uh, supercross, motocross, and all things uh, dirt bikes. Um, the closest thing to dirt bike riding, I know Roger went out and did some uh, some action sports a little bit this last weekend. Yeah, I got to go snowmobiling with about seven guys that I went to high school with. Some of them I hadn't seen in 40 years. Went right up on the slopes of Mount St. Helens and I don't know, we were less than a mile from the top of it actually and just had a great day. It was uh, oh, probably six, eight inches of fresh snow and a good base and you could pretty much climb anything super good super fun to do you definitely notice in your hands 500 pounds versus a 250 pound or 230 pound motorcycle big hands were super tired after the day but it was super fun good day the weather was good and just a lot of fun hanging out with old friends from way back anybody have a snow bike nope I have not had the opportunity to ride one of those yet. I'm dying to ride one. I saw one on Craigslist uh, over the weekend that was like uh, $1,500. It was on a uh, uh, YZ450. $1,500. I almost wanted to buy it just to <laughs> just to have that huge it's skid sort of, in my... It sort of depends on how old they are. Right again, it sort of depends on how old they are. You know, if you go too far back, pretty much before about 20. 15 or 16 they had a lot of problems with them with them rideability problems and wow. some of the drive bearings where they would only have one drive bearing on the chain side and it would just take them out and it would bend them up but they're pretty well old. i'm sure after about seven thousand more dollars it would be in good riding condition <laughs> it would be, yeah yeah but there are some you know you can get like 16s and 17s for maybe twenty five hundred dollars you can get things that oh. are but huh, that's actually not too horrible. It's not too horrible, but you know, I, I'm going to ride one first before I even, even try. And if I really like it for what it is, then it doesn't really matter. I'll get what's going to work good. I'm, you know, the Yetis are like 9,000 bucks and the timber sleds, you can get them for six. You could spend seven, you know, hmm. so they're considerably less money, but honestly, you know, they look like they work just as good. I've only watched videos. I have not got to ride one yet, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I could ever justify nine grand. The motorcycle is enough money. That's <laughs> hard enough to justify. But anyway, it's definitely something I want to do. I wonder How if you'd hard... rather have it on a two or a four stroke at the end of the day. Four stroke. Yeah. Only because of the tractability of a four stroke. A two stroke's just going to spin the heck out of the thing, which, you know, works for snowmobiles. Mm. But uh, I still think that that's what I would want. Uh, when I was up well, there, plus you got the... there was oh, a guy, uh, Yamaha, uh, I don't know what displacement it was, but it was a four-stroke snowmobile. And we were going off this uphill jump. And mine's got pretty good snap. It's an 800. And I could launch off that thing. But he could launch probably twice as far as I could, you know, off the launch. Uh, wow. Going brat, you know, the quickness of it. And I, that's where I think that a four-stroke might be better with a timber sled just because of that hmm. snappiness. Hmm. 
for playing around. I mean, it's not going to be the big hill climbers. It's not going to be like a snowmobile. You're not going to have a 200 horsepower uh, snow bike. It's just not going to happen. But uh, you got to use it for different things. But for playing around, I just think the snappiness would be better. Well, plus you got that you know 2,500 foot elevation gain thing going on, and having a fuel injected engine is probably a lot better than a carbed two stroke. That's true too. That's true too because it adjusts for itself. You know, a lot of times you might leave the parking lot at 3,000 feet, and you could end up at 7,000, where fuel injection is going to do a lot more adjustability. The carburetor is not going to do any. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, you guys spent a lot of time on carbureted snowmobiles uh, and didn't have too much trouble. No, um, actually, my, my sled, for instance, it actually it does adjust its jets with uh, with elevation because it is a carbureted sled, but it, it does have a, a system on there to adjust for elevation. <clears throat> One that a dirt bike's not likely going to have. <laughs> no, not. Well, hold it. Now that you brought that up, have you guys read about the KTM um, uh, fuel-injected carb? Car? It, carb. Fuel-injected carb. It's a carburetor. So they've got a carbureted Ooh. engine that ha- it has injected. So I imagine it's like a atomizer or something like that. But yeah, the thing about it is it adjusts automatically for elevation. So huh. it works just like fuel injection as far as it's automated um you know real-time mapping engine it's you know fully electronic and all this stuff but it's a carb Uh, i have to go look this thing up i read about it probably i don't know last summer maybe maybe into last year or somewhere in there i have no idea the closest i know about that is i know some of the street bikes um that are supposed to be more vintage looking like uh triumphs and stuff have uh fuel injectors and like throttle bodies that are made to look like carburetors i've seen that but as far as uh, a carbureted a fuel injected carburetor i mean i know they have fuel injected two strokes now Mm -hmm. um yeah the the thing is about the about the carburetors in all current motorcycles the injector itself um it's not like uh, a diesel where it's injecting into the cylinder it does it it does uh excuse me it does inject into that throttle body you know sort of like a carburetor works but it does inject into the throttle body which oh. then goes down into the cylinder as a like i say as opposed to a diesel where the injector is in the head yeah you just i think you just nailed what i probably should have said you're you're right it's well actually no i'm not sure i seem to recall it said carburetor but i have a suspicion it's more like a uh so what a, they a have AFI. They have something called TPI. It's it's transfer port inject injection, and it's it's something that KTM put in for uh, emissions uh, specifically. So it's it kind of does a little bit of of both. Uh, less smoke, it says. Um, seems like it would uh, require quite a bit more kind of reading as far as. Uh, what it actually does. Yeah, that is what um, I was thinking of. Yeah. But it is substantially more expensive. Yeah. Uh, to run. Yeah, that's I, that's exactly what it was. I recall reading about. But I, I you know, j- recently I've been thinking about dirt bikes again, and I've I've got another life change coming up here, and I'm really hoping it might include getting back on a bike. Although I'm not too sure I can do it anymore. I'll be honest with you, diabetes is no fun, <laughs> and oh, I no. am always fighting with my energy levels now 
And Raj, I don't know if you remember this. The last few times you and I rode together at China Hat, mm-hmm. when we would go, I don't know which trail number it was, but there was a couple sections, I think, on the south east side where we were down to kind of like a little bit of a valley, and there was just these constant switchbacks like that uh, that tree farm area up there at McCubbin's Gulch. But there was just this windy thing that just went back and forth and back and forth in circles. And, and twice when you and I did that, I got seasick and pulled over, and one of the two times I threw up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It turns out that my dizziness was happening because of my blood sugar level. Oh boy, that makes and, sense. And it's and that was an early indicator of my diabetes, but I didn't know it at the time. So you know, years later, I don't know, five years later, I actually was diagnosed as type two, and so now I'm trying to do this whole blood sugar thing, and I am constantly fighting exhaustion and just you know finding any kind of energy level. So I don't know if I can ride, but I really want to find out. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's out. a level you just have to find you know, what's appropriate for your body. Maybe you can't go do a 40 mile loop anymore. Right. Maybe right. you're, you know, confined to a 12 mile loop and, you know, maybe we can go out and ride and we can do a 12 mile that comes back to the, to the truck and you can rest and kind of get your levels back. And then we can swing back by and you can do the last seven or eight miles of, of the loop. And, you know, you got a time to really break in the middle and you can still go out and ride. Yeah. You, you just bet. have to do it, you know, Got to figure that out. That's one thing I love about McCubbin's Golds and China Hat. Well, just any of the riding areas we go to because you just find a small loop and you just chill out, you know? Do a little loop, come back, have a, you know, sit down with a beer or something, which I can't do anymore either. And, um, (laughs) but anyway, I, I, uh, yeah, I, looking forward to get, I, that made me think of maintenance because I really don't want to have to maintain a bike. And so, of course, mm-hmm. the Honda 450 is great for that. Mm-hmm. Cannondale's not been great for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't want the two strokes. So, I I don't know. I, that TPI thing I started looking at when I was reading about it and thinking, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I can't afford well, that. Well, <laughs> I, I, could, I could recommend maybe do um, what uh, another co-host on Garage Night did and just get a very old motorcycle so that you can probably just outlast it on the trail. Yeah. That's a great point. An IT 200. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think about that bike all the time, Roger, <laughs> and I still need to thank you for that. That was an awesome first bike. Wasn't it? It was a good one. It was so a great what, bike. What was that bike? We'll, we'll go into that real quick. What, what was, what was this bike? So this was of course my first bike Roger found through right an acquaintance. Is that right? Um, Northwest Machine Works. Jerry at Northwest Machine Works. It was his wife's motorcycle, and she rode it once, maybe at McCubbin's. This thing was in great shape. Oh my god, it was. I was awesome. On it, but it was in great shape. What was a seventy-seven? Eighty? No, no, eighty-six. Eighty-three. This was the last year of the front disc rear drum IT two hundred. Okay. Okay. And I mean, it was in super good shape. Yeah. We yeah. cleaned up the carburetor on it and man, you were off and running. Oh yeah. You broke that clutch free. Remember that you were screaming that bike up and down your road in front of your house, trying to get that clutch to break free. Cause it was all froze up. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I, that was one of the best bikes I think I've ever had just cause it was so easy to maintain and yep. Yep. And I could go anywhere. I really can't remember, you know, other than having to develop a skill that that bike couldn't do what I wanted it to do. I, I can't remember one time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really, you know, doing tracks very much and stuff. But 
I mean, I, I had it. I took it. I wrote it at uh, Washougal. I wrote it at um, a PIR. I wrote it at uh, what's that place out there in Longview? The track out there, oh, Longview, yeah. right? Just a, there Longview was, Raceway. Yeah, something like that. I never went. Yeah, out. It, that's a. It's a decent track. If you've never done it, you ought to check it out. Hmm. But um, hey, Roger, yeah, can you I, check out that link real quick that I put in there and tell me if it's anywhere near that bike? This is, uh, let's see, I'm looking at the podcast thingy. Oh, chat area? Yeah. Uh, if it was anything like that bike, because that's a bike that was owned by one of the Okay, still one looking of the for the chat area. Oh, type here to chat. Hey. A garage number uh, I don't see it's your from, chat From our right? website, I'm, what I'm referring to is uh, on, our, no. on our website. It's, it's not, not like that one. <clears throat> that's a DT. XT, yeah, 86 IT, 86, not 83, 86 IT 200. IT 200, yeah. Randy, this picture is uh, about that era. No, this is a 70, this is a 79 or 80 XT 250 is what you're showing me a picture it's of. It's an 80 or an 82, okay. or an 80 or 81, I should say. Um, XT Yeah, so I was, I was wondering how close it was to that because uh, for those wondering, if you go to the uh, tinydogpodcast.com gallery and check out Bike Night, uh, about six pictures down or so there's a blue Yamaha and that's owned by Jeff Tracy of, of garage night. And so I was trying to see how along the lines it was to that. Oh, I, uh, I got a is... picture of me at the ISDE with that thing. So I'll pull that picture up and send it to you. Oh, that was can... at, that was at um, one of the last times we ever did. Uh, what, what's the one out there by at the, the horse thingy. Oh, uh, uh, outside of Tillamook mountain two day. Yes, got the flying. I'll over. find that picture. That's that's a treasure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you send them over here. I'll put them on the uh, the Instagram where everyone can uh, can take a look at them. God, I would love it if they would bring that back. Although I would never do it again. <laughs> they, they've talked about it. They really have. <clears throat> oh, really? Yeah. That that'd be awesome. There is talk about it, but i wouldn't do the big run two days they gotta have an old man class now <laughs> yeah 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 that's a even the old man class is gonna be a beater that those hills around that place holy mackerel yeah they get I, wet at all those those hills are nasty i could do 50 60 miles a day but not the 120 and i think it was 262 miles together that one year <clears throat> you know between jeez the that's a long way to awesome. <laughs> In those conditions, I mean, it's, it wasn't easy riding. Hmm. What are you riding these days, Randy? Are you on a 450? Uh, yeah, I'm on a 450 and I'm kind of back on a 250 uh, again as soon as I get the carb cleaned out. So in my move, I was able to get two of the bikes down. Uh, I've got the 05 Honda 450R and the 05 Honda 250R. Okay. Two so got them. Yeah. Um, 250 is the one that I originally bought when I was, you know, 18, 11 years ago. And, and we built, Roger and I, you know, built back up basically from the ground. Uh, the only things that are wrong with it is the stuff that we didn't touch. Uh, suspension <laughs> mainly. Um, so I'm going to clean the carb again because it it's, keeps sitting. Uh, clean the carb and then eventually have the suspension done by uh, I believe it's Enzo down here um, that's recommended for suspension work and then I'll have 
you know, a, a guest bike slash close quarters kind of a bike. Because hmm. uh, I do miss riding the smaller bikes because I really want to uh, bring down the 125 as soon as I can because I still have that rebuilt uh, 1984 CR125R uh, that oh, yeah. I've used for vintage racing the last few years. And hmm. I still think that's my favorite bike because cool. they're so small back then. The frames were just compact. And being the 125 two-stroke, you can basically just leave it pinned on the track and just kind of steer it around. And uh, you're able to get a lot of lean angle and move the bike a lot in the air. And it doesn't want you dead as much as a 450 four-stroke. <laughs> oh, <It>, you, <laughs> you can kind of control it. Like when i when i crash on the on the 125 i'm angry and i get up and i finish the race the last two or three times that i've crashed on the 450 it's been damage done to me and the bike like it's it's another level when you go up to the big bikes like most people will never you know outclass a 254 stroke like most people aren't going to get every bit of performance out of it um mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But the 450 is like cheating. You can go <laughs> you can go just as fast with way less effort. Yep. But the you know the increased danger is there uh because it's so easy. And again, going from my 05 to uh Rogers 14, um when I went to uh Washugal National MX and uh, we went out riding and and uh i think my uh my brake on the 125 had heated up and that's the one that i had brought that day um but roger was relaxing he said here just take my bike and so i you know trepidatiously i i took it out onto the washugal national track and um i was having trouble getting around someone i wasn't super comfortable on the bike yet um but we went over coming out of the uh what is that, Roger? The the catcher's mitt down there? Called the pitcher's mitt now. Yeah, the pitcher's mitt. Um at the time they still had that um that triple and then uh it was before they put that sand wall in, so it was kind of a triple double. Oh yeah. And so the the right way to do it for people <laughs> at my level is to double and then you can it kind of has a, a spot between the second and third that you can land without breaking anything and you, you know, you double and then you roll and then you can double again. Um, and I had been doing that even on the 125, but the 14 with that fuel injection was, is so snappy. Mm. It's the throttle response is immediate and vicious. And so after on my third lap, I, I needed to get around someone. I knew that's where I was going to do it. it came out of the pitcher's mitt to the right, which is on the inside and then gave it, I don't know, eighth more throttle than I was <laughs> and proceeded to double and a half. <laughs> Oops. And so met, I ate the handlebars. Um, and, uh, but I, I stayed ahead of the person cause I'm like, wow, I'm committed now. Um, so I finished out that section and I had gapped him by the time I hit the whoops, but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to play that game anymore. So I, I rolled through the whoops and then pulled back off. Uh, and I called that a session. <laughs> That's uh, pretty funny. 
I don't like double and a half. That's that's not ideal. Yeah, especially on someone else's bike, you makes you feel real bad about it. Um, <laughs> but, but you yeah, stayed I have, on. I did. I, I survived. Um, that's, that's, that'll work. But yeah, I haven't I haven't ridden more than in a backfield since um, going down a day in the dirt uh, mm. a little over a year ago. So mm. I'm I did go out with uh, with my son about a month ago. Um, but of course that's just kind of putting around the kids track. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back out there as well. So the, you and I both need to get out and do something, even if it's yeah, just a, a few laps. Well, whoever, when we go send a picture, that'll, that'll uh, encourage me at least if you send me a picture of you riding. <laughs> yep. Yep. A year feels like 10. So yeah, I'll, it does. Put, I'll put pictures of uh, Glenn Helen next Thursday on there for you. No, I'll... I don't like it when you send pictures. I just piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> he sends a lot of them <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, so when does your are you uh, you're done with your motocross vacation right your winter trip that's all over or do you have more to go he's got one more I got one more I'm going to go down and bring everything back um, um, after next weekend I'm going down <clears throat> Wednesday night gonna, my, the plan is to ride Glen Hill on Thursday mountain bike Friday Unless somebody else comes down, then I'll probably ride Paris Friday and then LACR on Saturday and then drive home. So what is that? October to April you run that vacation these uh, days? November, first November to end of March is kind of what it's been. Okay, I'm pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. <laughs> I mean, that's really? when you can't ride here, so yep. why not, you know? That is a way to work it. That's awesome. I, I, it's an inspiration, Roger. I'm, I'm glad that you're pulling that off. I've found ways to do it that it's not super expensive. It's, you know, it's affordable and boy, it's so worth it. I mean, because for, for those who don't know, you take your, your pickup truck and your fifth wheel weekend warrior down and you leave it in California and yep. then you fly back yep. and then you're able to work and then just take like basically extended weekends, Yep. very extended weekends yep. <laughs> and yep. fly down and all of your stuff is at an RV park and you just, you pick it up from the RV park and you, you drive it to all the different tracks around and to, and to A2 and stuff and, yep. and you have all your stuff down there. And yeah, it's not, I've been down there a couple of times with you. It's not prohibitively expensive uh, nope. to do things that way. Nope. But, but it's sure worth it. Okay. So have you checked off everything on your track bucket list for uh, California? LACR is the only one I haven't been to and Cheney Ranch. I'm getting chain I'm getting LACR this time. And Cheney Ranch, I have connections, but I haven't pushed them yet. We got invited there. Um, Rachel and I did probably four years ago. Okay. But we couldn't make it. I don't remember why we mm-hmm. couldn't make it. So, you know, you know, it's only it's invite only to Cheney Ranch. You have to get invited. So but like I say I have connections. I can get an invite if I just push it a little bit. But I'll I'll do that next year. I'll get it okay. done. But yeah, I've hit all the tracks and all the off-road areas down there that I've heard about that were good. I've been able to hit all of that. And now I'm also trying to learn the, the decent mountain biking down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, that's going to be in the summertime up at, at uh, Lake Arrowheads where the really good ride is going to be. But I'm, I don't think I'll be down there in the summertime. There's just no need. <clears throat> Not with the mountain biking we have here and Whistler and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's just sure. so 
Yeah, Oregon already has enough uh, mountain biking. As a as a North Texan, I can tell you there, there's really good mountain biking in Oregon. Yeah, and there's there's nothing in a lot of other parts of the country, as I've yeah. uh, seen with my eyes. Hmm. Um, but that's that's wonderful. Um, did you guys happen to watch uh, the races this weekend? Well, of course. Yep, I did too. Yeah. So yeah. let me guess, Roger. You d- oh, I, I should. Sh- are we? Gonna, we should talk fantasy yet, right? <laughs> we we can't. We can if we want to right now. If we want to lead in with that, that's just fine. I, I just want to know if Roger even considered changing his picks <laughs> after I, watching I, qualifying. I I uh, <clears throat> I I changed them a couple weeks ago when Zach got hurt and Cooper got hurt, <clears throat> but I I. I think I'm yeah, I might adjust my uh fifth place guy. <laughs> but you haven't changed it now in weeks. I changed it a couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I, or I make him when I make people, him check it every week a little bit, at least hurt. think about it. When people got hurt, I changed it. <clears throat> but I've only changed that, it once since the start. Okay, well Webb got hurt four weeks ago. No four races Arlington ago. Was, it was Arlington, three. which was three weeks. Arlington, oh, Georgia, Daytona. Okay, it was three. Okay, uh, okay. All right, I'll go with it. I you just the number. I cannot believe that you still got the highest score and you didn't change your picks. And of course, that makes sense because your picks are pretty good. But anyway, it's really disgusting to watch the race and the whole time go. Yeah, Roger is gonna freaking beat us again. <laughs> well, and he didn't even do anything <laughs> to be to be fair he didn't get the highest points this week i didn't no I like you have the highest points but you did oh, not earn the most points you're right because i have jason anderson in the third and i should have had cooper webb huh oh, hold on who got the most oh. Jess, uh jessica did oh that that's right so and i think Je- charles jessica to... earned 90 points okay. this week uh roger only earned 74 Oh, I thought Roger did a lot better than that. We no, thought he, I, he did like, oh, there it is, 74. Okay. Yeah, you okay. earned 83, so you did better than him. Yeah. Okay, and I even did better than my wife, which is incredibly unusual. Cheryl only got 69 points this week, so, you know, an off week for her because she's she's uh, pretty, pretty clear in second. Yeah, yeah. Pretty clear. Yeah, there's, I, I love watching my statistic there on how, my overall rank continuing to plummet. <laughs> it's like 62,000 of, what is it, like 80 some odd thousand? I don't remember how many there are now, but it's, I'm so freaking far down. I don't get it. I just... <laughs> hey, you know, Rogers, we... Rogers holding inside the top uh, 10,000, which is impressive. He was at like 60 something, like uh, 6,000 something, but. Uh, he's still at eighty four seventy nine, so that's, that's pretty good, respectable. I, I think you're going to get a ten dollars certificate uh, uh, coupon, Roger. <laughs> I do need to make some changes because I have Anderson, Barsha, Zach Osborne. I need to change. <clears throat> I need to change that. I need to put Cooper Webb in third, Jason Anderson in fourth, mm. and Justin Barsha in fifth. Oh, so well, my. Ahead, my biggest it. problem was that I I uh, I took a risk and I put Blake Baggett in fifth. Uh, so that did I, and me. then I changed it. 
Yeah, that that <laughs> killed me real. That was that was that was what got me this. Yeah, week. I changed it out of. I literally had Blake Baggett, and I changed it to Barsha, and that was actually what uh, helped me out with my points. Or at least one of them. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna have the exact same. Uh, well, I was gonna have rocks in the head of Webb, but um, I was gonna have very similar to to your setup as well. Mm. I mean, those guys are just the ones that are week in, week out. Uh, you, know, you can count on them for top fives. Oh, well, what was really bad was I thought for sure, I was thinking about Roxon. I thought he's going to peter out. He's going to peter out. So I put him in fifth. And then after watching the qualifying and just his freaking aggression level, which was rivaling Webb's best aggression level, um, I went ahead and put him up to third, and I was still wrong. <laughs> so I, I felt a little guilty about uh, putting him after Webb, but yeah, I I really think Roxon is he's not back to his old form, but he may have gotten past his uh, his arm pump and his old getting tired thing. Yeah, he might have. Yeah, I mean, because, I was really impressed with what he pulled off at that race. And and, and what he even did at the end after Eli got around him. Well, did, oh, so that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing is I was so disappointed watching Tomac take two seconds a lap yeah. out of his lead. Yeah, it, was. It's, it was amazing. I love it. That made me so much look forward to this motocross season. Eli is going to tear it up. <laughs> it's going to be but awesome. Even he said that he was just... He just he stopped thinking. He just turned the throttle and just went. And I don't, I don't think he can do that outdoors because that's the entire season is doing that. You can't ride at that level all the time. You think he's gonna bust his? Uh, what was it? He broke the the first time when he did that on the Honda. I think he won't. He won't ride that hard outdoors. That's yeah. that's a rarity. That's gonna be when he needs to. That's yeah. a gear he can find. You're but right. I think the fact that he caught Ken so fast is Ken was thinking long-term and yeah. going, if I go that fast, I will break. Yeah. Um, but when he started following Eli, he, uh, he found some lines, but I, I think he decided, no, I need to show that at least for a couple laps, I can do this. If he would have yeah. done it one lap sooner, maybe he could have held on, but yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I, I was really though. I mean, it was it reminded me of what he was doing when he was on the honda what was that four years ago five yeah. years ago now yeah and he it just looked awesome yep he was doing such cool things jumping in all kinds of all kinds of directions he was like doing a little uh what do you call it when you lift your wheel up and then you set down in between the two the two jumps and i don't know I, I just he was playing wheel around on the track, not a wheel tap. He was doing a thing where he'd wheel you over the first. Uh, and this was, I think the section right before the sand. No, the sand was. Oh, was he'd, a- he'd pull a Wilson where he would basically eliminate an entire yeah. whoop. Basically. And then he'd jump across the track left to right to get into a new lane because he's trying to get past. Uh, I think that was when he was following Webb all over the place. The guy yeah, was, he was, he was doing it's, so it's like the lines. track was his toy. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. He was, was, he was tearing it up. I was really, uh, we were yelling down here. I think we woke up the kids upstairs and Jessica ended up having to leave to go put him back to bed. Of course we were yelling because Cheryl was trying to beat Roger on his, on his picks for the, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it turned out. So, 
did you guys uh, have the same thought I did watching, especially around, you know, that, that right-hander where uh, Roxon got passed? Uh, so, uh, at one point, it was Webb, I believe it was Webb and Tomac and Anderson that were all backed up together there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just kept watching them go through that inside line and then kind of bounce and then double. And I was thinking their corner speed is severely lacking yeah, uh, compared to what they do in MXGP, that's where we're losing it. Is their corner speed at Daytona was was not great. That first big left hander after the what was a sketchy whoop section, they were hitting the, that really aggressive. But the rest of the turns, I mean, you know, I'm not on the bike, I'm not on the track, I didn't see it in person, but it just seems like we're our our uh, corner speed is simply not there. Everyone breaks a lot longer and then tries to accelerate out versus you know the global thing is to just keep it on through the turn uh and i wonder if someone could figure that out kind of like tomac did i think it was two years ago where he just stayed on the pegs he never put his foot down and had this amazing corner speed for about three motos so what they're doing there when they design the track is that that inside line is so much shorter. If you notice, there's a big gap at the apex of that turn where when they take the outside, they're having to go way, way to the left to come uh-huh. back. And when those lines come together um, off the on that jump where rocks and actually tipped over, that's <clears throat> so much further around there. That's why they're make they're trying to equalize that, making the the making it kind of an even line, if you will. But, I assume that's what the the big hump was for on the inside of that. Mm-hmm. Right, it was that sloping down into that, and then, but the reason that they were taking that so much of the time is they were protecting the inside. You know, you don't dare leave that inside mm-hmm. open when somebody's literally right behind you like that because they're just going to come across and block you. They won't even use that line; they'll go straight across it to the outside and then cut down, and you have to hit the brakes. That's why they kept taking that inside to protect yeah. from being passed. And that, you know, heck several times through there when Tomac was behind Webb, <laughs> Webb would kind of chop the throttle and, and either yep. would bounce off his back tire. Yep. Yep. That's yep. all that. And, and that's funny. What that does is that creates a gap. Even if that gap is, is a foot or 18 inches by letting off and letting him hit that creates that gap. That's how close it is. You stop their momentum, and you're now deciding the pace for the next couple turns. You're going away. It's the equal reaction thing. You're bouncing away. They're pushing you down the track. And you does stop. Tomac? Does the KX have electric start now? Oh yeah. Okay, <clears throat> I was just wondering because I was thinking, you know, if he was hoping to stall Tomac's bike, <laughs> that would be a trick. Especially you gotta. You know, like I know the KX two fifties. You know, watching um, them kickstart those uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, because uh, those were still kickstart. That's why I was asking because that would be uh, somewhat legitimate strategy in yeah, that corner. Is if you stop and you make them stall, you have electric start. You get yeah. going again. Yeah, they have to stop, <laughs> pull out the kickstarter. You yeah. ruin their. They're not going to catch you. Yeah, is that dirty pool or is that not dirty pool? That is the question. Man, that's a, yeah. that's a loaded question. I don't think it's 
<laughs> I don't think it's polite. I don't think it's good sportsmanship, but it's fair. It's not against any rules. You know, don't follow someone that close. Find yep. another line if there's a chance for that to happen. Be on the clutch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny you're talking about the slow corners. That that one corner that you're talking about with the hip right before, right as you're coming into it, and it was really, yep. really tight, and everybody was basically coming to a complete stop. Yep. Um, it was that was one of the ones I saw Eli one time actually jump it. Did you see? I just one time he hit that little hip jump and he basically skipped over uh right he hit he went onto the platform above the rut and right. i think it turned out it didn't work out so i never did it again but he kind of jumped up over it came over the, the the to the just outside of the of the um the, the apex of the corner and mm-hmm. then kind of spun around and slid out but it, it was that corner we were joking around about how everybody was coming to a dead stop but the corner right before that was similar. If you took the inside line and it was totally flat, people were still coming to an all, almost dead stop on that corner. They were going and I, I couldn't figure out why. It didn't look slick. The rut was really deep. Is that what it was? I didn't even. Both, I don't know why I didn't see that. Both of those turns, the ruts were really deep. But yeah, they were peg draggers. Yeah. I would agree with you, uh, Randy, except for that. I think. I, there's a couple people who are already, always really good at corner speed in the States, and they were good there. Roxon is good in the GPs. He looked normal. He didn't look any different there, and I didn't think that he really had too much of a corner speed advantage over other people that normally have good corner speed, like Baggett and Anderson. Um, there's a couple others. I mean, actually, Eli has fantastic corner speed, so I, I don't know that USA's... If like if they're somehow were training, not taking corners fast, I don't think that's like worse than it's been. I it just see be. us a lot more like a, the U.S. style. Correct me if I'm wrong. The U.S. style that I see seems to be a lot more of the. It looks really cool when you you know you sit down, you get your weight low, you sit on the seat, you get forward on the tank, mm-hmm. you extend your inside leg to put to put the force down on the front wheel so you have better better turn. Yeah. Uh, and when I watch the MXGPs, I see them more standing on the balls of their feet, staying on the pegs, leaning forward, kind of getting their shoulders more over the bars, like hmm. they're pushing down on their wheel mm-hmm. to get that traction, but they stay standing. And I just see them go through way ruddier stuff, and I they just appear to have a higher corner speed i'd love to see kind of lit pro for from mm. like um you know thunder mountain eli at thunder mountain versus hurlings at lamel mm-hmm. and uh and kind of see you know week to week if they are uh have better corner speed and i also wonder if the deeper ruts since they are railing it a lot more in the gps if their angled ruts allow them to to take it faster because they're stuck in this banked slot and they're less likely to get ejected from it. Hmm. Just, just a thought I had watching um, Daytona kind of hard to, to verify. And, you know, most of what I learned has, uh, has been from Roger. So um, what do you, what do you think on that? I, I agree. I think that the, you know, that particular race and Supercross being so tight 
you're gonna have the lower corner speeds but like if you watched the outdoor stuff you know even outdoor here i don't know if corner speed it's is it i think that the biggest difference in speed between united states and europe is is they don't groom their tracks and so hmm. it's hard to they learn how to go fast on an ungroomed track we hear you know they go fast on groomed tracks but you know when you go for a walk around a national motocross track at the end of the second motos you know yeah. they're still pretty rough but i haven't yeah. walked gp track after that either hmm. maybe they're a lot worse i don't know I think that's a bigger difference right there is, you know, just, I don't know, though. I still think if you did a, if you took the top 10 guys from MXGP and the top 10 guys from our uh, 450s and did a series like the Trans Am and Trans USA that they used to do, I think you'd have, you know, eight of the top 10 Americans running the show on that. You know, you're going to have Hurlings and Geitzer are going to run up there with Tomac and Rocks and, and Cooper, but that would be a good, good, good battle. But I don't think anybody's going to dominate, really dominate. I think the Americans would win that, that battle, but. I would have agreed 12 months ago. Uh, you really, you really see something there, huh? Interesting. I, after after watching the uh you know the 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 red uh, red bud mx donations i mean that was a debacle man that just glenn was... glenn koldenhoff was an absolute monster hmm. uh and i we just we should have done better than that i mean there's i can't think of a and they couldn't think of a, a you know a, a single reason why we didn't do better um like at least at like Matterly Basin a couple of years ago, you know, we admittedly sent a, a B team and, you know, Cole Seely had a bike malfunction in both motos. And um, uh, we had, we had issue after issue that year and no one, no one faulted those guys uh, for it. But, you know, this year on our soil, even in, even in the rain, we should not have been outside the top five in every race. Right. I agree. Really, really hard to, to defend watching Tomac out there on the track, on his bike, in his country, getting eighth. I just, it, yeah, that's and not, bad. not even like getting yeah. lapped. I, I couldn't, I couldn't he, do it. He, he had one of those days that he every now and then has. It's just, it's amazing that's a to bad see day what for happened. It. I don't know. So I, I would have agreed a year ago, but now I I, I don't know. I maybe don't know. it's maybe maybe it's the virus. Maybe it's the virus. <laughs> yeah, it was back in October. <laughs> but well, other than the the beast mode of Tomac, and um, I don't I don't know I I I actually didn't like this Daytona very much for some reason. I I was a little disappointed they decided to shave the. The whoops down, but I understand the safety concern. So oh, it's that, those yeah. first two 250 motos, those heats. Oh, that was horrible. <laughs> people got hurt, man. <laughs> it was bad. So I get it. I get why they shaved them down. I just thought they overkilled it. You know, it's like, man, they shaved them 
so far down they weren't really whoops anymore that's like, the thing is is in their in their rush to fix what was a problem it definitely they were almost not whoops you know how hard could this be you they got measuring tapes i mean really seriously you you know the distance across they need apart from they need to be from each other you know the height okay there's a little bit of an angle thing and if you got like a new guy on the bobcat he might mess up the angle of it a little bit which maybe that's what happened but it seems to me by now they're going to have some way of going out there and you know measuring it and actually making sure they're to the degree that they know they need to be or is this still well, not that way was this dirtworks that did this because i know oh, it's in, in the past mm. in the past daytona has been a non-felled race and now it is felled this year so i'm wondering is it the same track crew that's been because they've they've arguably made more whoops this season than any other single season all the double whoop whoop sections that we've got and they've been aggressive but good Mm. do you think i i my thought is they either stepped it up again like because they've had some pretty aggressive ones uh this year just ask uh you know uh uh hunter's brother um oh yeah yeah, yeah, ask uh, Jet Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. But um, I wonder if they, you know, just went a little bit too much and overdid it, or if this is a different group of people that simply haven't been building whoops for the last three yeah. months. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. What do you think, Raj? Should they be able to make consistent whoops these days? I would think so, yeah. But, you know, you got you got the potential human error there, you know. Um, maybe he was working on it and didn't get it done and they ran out of time and he went, Oh crap. Well, it should be okay. <laughs> 250 guys didn't think it was okay. <laughs> Oops. You know, we've all done that. That should work. That should work. Oh, yeah. it didn't work. So for me, I think the track was mostly good. What disappointed me was, I thought the start was going to be a really good idea, and I think it went very badly. That that big circle at the beginning. Well, both uh, 450 starts do. were without incident, and I think uh, only one. Baggett, few- Baggett bounced off the concrete. I think he would yeah. disagree. Yeah, he. he did. Oh, he- I didn't see that. Is that why he didn't finish? <laughs> yes, I didn't the, catch the, that at soon, all. As soon as they took off, he went. He went wide. And uh, went over a tough block and landed on the concrete. Oh, yeah. I saw him hit the tough block. I, I didn't realize that he actually went off and hit the concrete. <clears throat> so, hold it. Was that on the first uh, corner coming into the circle or on the second one? Uh, the first one, I think. But that wasn't concrete off to that direction, was it? To Off to the right? Huh. It was yeah, okay. concrete in the end. You, it did. Uh, you know, maybe he made it far enough around the corner that he was on the uh, pit row. Yeah, so back by where the start was. Yeah, he was. He did not land on dirt. He he definitely landed off of the dirt. It's very well, clear in the I, video. I mean, yeah, but there's always somebody going off on no matter what start we have if there's a corner yeah. on it. And yeah. I, I there's also pileups in the 250s on the inside in both the first heats. time, not the second heat though, not the second race. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking heats, right? Wasn't it the heats that we saw the pileup? Yeah. I know the first heat, but I think the second heat still took out some of the. Uh, farther back guys i just start or in the whoops 
in the starts. Okay. I, yeah. I know that they hit the tough blocks, but they always hit the freaking tough blocks. I don't think that had anything to do with the circle. I, I'll be, I didn't think the circle added anything interesting at all. It, it just I, don't, looked, I don't think it, it separated of... people like they were hoping. I think they were hoping that it would, that it would stretch everyone out instead mm. of, because otherwise they're all taking off and going off of a triple after, you know, a normal start. So there'd be no turn. So they had to put a turn in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of the whole loop is to kind of stretch the group out and mm-hmm. give them some breathing room before mm-hmm. they hit all the, you know, those big jumps and then into the whoops, Yeah, which a is point. a, which is a good thought. Cause it was, it was, uh, I believe a, uh, a triple and then some kind of moguls and then a triple and then the whoops into that big left-hander. And yeah, you can't have them all just take off, hit fourth gear and all hit the triple at the same time. That's funny. You know, I never, I never noticed that that was a circle. I'm just looking at a picture of the track and I'm going, wow, look at that. It sure is. I never even noticed that. Never even noticed a roundabout. The one. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is a roundabout. That's hilarious. The, the the start that I thought was the funnest changeup was the one that they did for I don't know how many years in a row, um, down there in Vegas where it was a. They went in different directions and then they met the split gates. The split. Yeah, the, and it was and they had circles or corners. I can't remember how it worked. I think they went outside the stadium and came back in and then merged. Mm-hmm. So they started outside the stadium. They came into the stadium, and so they would, you know, yeah. rip past each set of, of bleachers, and then they would come through. They would both make a left-hander, stay separate for a rhythm section, and then come together Yeah, as, cool. as they turned right again to go back away from the start gate. Was that just Monster Energy Cup? Was that was that? Energy Cup. Oh, that was Energy Cup. Yeah, you're right. And they had horrible gate failures. I think half well, the gate. I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I was in the stands. And we're like, here we go, ready to go. And then they all take off like, oh, we got to reset. Oh. That happened twice that day. Yeah, Once, right, one right after another. Yeah, there was two gate failures. And we're like, well, this isn't going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's a great idea. It's, it's cool to watch. It is cool to watch, and I, I definitely would prefer that over the circle. But I don't know. I, you know, they had. Remember when they did the what is it like a five foot drop off the start? That was like, yeah, you know, didn't really yeah. seem to do anything. Yeah. Oh, the half pipe thing. Yeah, the quarter pipe uh, start. That one was weird. I was also there for that. Uh, that Monster Energy Cup, and that was that was weird. But I think uh, it caused some some trouble because hmm. uh, it was so slick. They were had to be so compacted. Really hauling when they got halfway across the bottom of the stadium. They were hauling. That was just well, a fast track. Roger, are you thinking? Are you thinking that, or are you thinking when they started at the top of the stadium? When they started at the top of the stadium. Yeah, oh, we're no, talking I'm... about the the quarter pipe where they started, kind of uh, like at the five back, feet elevated, and they dropped down like a quarter pipe, like for skateboarding. I do oh, like. Remember. Too. Yeah, like they did at the uh, straight rhythm, same kind yeah, of thing like, there. Like maybe yeah. an eight foot drop or something like that that they swooped down and took off. Yeah, if I remember. That yeah, too. that was kind of interesting, but I didn't really think it was that. I just, yeah, I agree with you, the Randy. The circle was uh, interesting, but I'd be surprised if they did additive. it again. Yeah, it, was it wasn't additive. additive. Other than that, I'm trying to think of what else at the at the race that was kind of entertaining. I, I. I mean, it was really cool to see how long Roxon just left everybody and stayed up there. Didn't make any mistakes. Looked really fast. Looked comfortable. I mean, it was awesome to watch him ride like that. 
I really thought Webb was going to try to keep up with Eli when he got passed, but the, he just tanked. Yeah, yeah uh, that was the thing. He lost touch, and then that was it. Yeah. That was reality. He was still hurting. And he, He's still hurting. Yeah. If he could have hung on and stayed ahead of him, then yeah. But once he's gone, you know, he's pretty sure that Jason Anderson is not going to catch him, you know, and so he kind of backed off. But then, of course, Jason started smelling blood and almost got him. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so having seen this, I know we can't judge the the tighter tracks from this one race, mm -hmm. but is it Eli's year? It's still 50-50 for me. It could, really? Yes. Because All right. Roxon's is step for step and Supercross, he's there. Um, I really think he's there. He's definitely better at the long game than Eli is. I'll I'll say that I think Eli is in the driver's seat, but his biggest competition is actually not Roxon. It's himself. <laughs> yes, sir. Eli Tomac is Eli Tomac's biggest problem in this season. Yeah. But I mean, Eli is it's still 50, 50. I, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I can't say, because I do not want to say Roxon's not going to win this because I can't, I mean, he was nine points down and, and week before last happened. He's yeah. Good point. Yeah. So it's just, um, <clears throat> I, no, I I'm with you. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's still not a done deal, nope. but Eli's definitely shown a different level of maturity. Yep. If I, when we say it's that Eli's problem is himself, even some of that, I think he's solved. It's his starts. Yeah. He's, yeah. he, yeah. if he could fix his freaking starts. <laughs> yeah, that would help a lot because then he wouldn't have to, you know, break his concentration trying to go through the pack and have mistakes happen. Has he done the three wreck in one race thing this year? I, I don't think that he has, has he? No, he's held on. I think fourth is yeah. what he's got. See, I really think he's solved that mental mishap problem where he would just lose focus when he got desperate. Well, but he lo- I think he lost focus and got desperate on Blake Baggett a couple weeks ago. He yeah. Oh, yeah, that was an interesting exchange. <laughs> even, he goes, even he said that that was way too premature. You know, he should have done that. And, of course, then not long after that, he kills it in the sand because his brain's not focused. And then, of course, yeah. he's able to focus and get going. And he, he did get a seventh at A1. A seventh at A1. But since then, yeah, his worst is he's got three-fourths. So, yeah, so. It just it, – it, he definitely can still do that. He is, you're right, Dave. He's got a lot of it cured. He was, he's, you know, at, uh, at Atlanta, he should have got ninth place, but he was able to focus, buckle down and make it happen mm-hmm. and, and, and save a lot. And of half a dozen people crashed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's true. You know, he had, right. but then they hand it to him too. That, that was yeah. Fun. Yeah. Cause he had the same potential crash and everybody else did. So yeah. he, he really did keep it together on that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I really do think that this, first off, I, I keep wondering if he wins this year, is he going to ride next year? I don't know, but oh, I, absolutely. I, think it, I do think that if he will go for a fourth straight um, motocross win, which sure. would put him in one of two people, I think. Yeah. Him and Carmichael, right? Four uh, straight? How many did um, Villapoto get outdoors? Uh, outdoors? Yeah. Uh, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you. He got off a lot. Uh, 
Yeah, he got a awful lot. I don't think he had four straight though, because the one year that he got injured, mm-hmm. that would have broke that. That's <laughs> right. I think if he got four, there was a break in between, and ten when Dungey won it. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So I, I, he, I think he might have gotten a four hmm. total uh, mm-hmm. uh, premier class, but I don't. If he can get the tie the record for most sequential 450 outdoors and have a Supercross title. I think he's going to be done. I don't know. I think he has a contract for two more years, though, doesn't he? Yeah, but he... so did Dungey. That is, yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, Dun- Dungey only had it through the end of that year. Did he? Oh, that's right. He had, right. But he canceled the motocross season because he decided not to do it. Yeah. And Villapoto had a full year contract still, and he kind of got out of it by racing uh mxgp yeah two four four mxgps right <laughs> yeah and then a broken tailbone i think that uh i really think that even if tomac wins you know indoors and outdoors this year i really think he'll come back for another year because he really right. not he's top of his game yeah he's not trailing off i did i started to wonder that the beginning of this year <clears throat> you know after you know uh Anderson and Webb's winning it. And, you know, when all along for the last several years, it needed to be Tomac or Roxon, and it wasn't either one of them. Mm. Like maybe these guys are peeking out here. They're going to start giving up. But yeah. now they're kind of showing the way this year. So I think they both have a good, one more good year out of them. <clears throat> mm. I think they'll start getting beat if they race the third year. Quick, quick question. Dad, you're kind of the moto historian here. Can you tell me, I can only name two. How many uh, prominent motocrossers have retired in their prime? I can think of two. I can think of Ricky Carmichael, which is the obvious one. Mm-hmm. He was still leading when he retired. Yeah. And Jean-Michel Bell. I'm pretty sure Roger DeCoster, when he retired, he he won his last race anyway. I don't know that he won the championship. I don't think he did. And that was like yeah, but did did everyone think oh he could still win the championship this year and next year like ricky carmichael was i i think he could have gotten two or three more seasons uh out out of his uh career and jean michel bell came and won two and then just poof disappeared Mm -hmm. and who knows what he had still in the tank but i think villapoto could have done a lot more villapoto was winning everything when he when he left yeah, he, he but he he just was burned out. Yeah, no, yeah, that guy was always mad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but 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 you know, before the Villa Polo before racing two fifties and stuff like that, he's a little chubby like Ricky was. Yeah, I mean, these guys just won on their total natural skill and craziness. But when it came to getting them the four fifties, they had to get serious. And you watch these guys slim down, get lean, mean. Yeah, that's not easy to do. No, <laughs> and they and lost the joy of it. You know, I was, you're, 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 that's an interesting thing about, I remember listening to what what you were commenting about, Randy, about stopping riding at the top of your game. I was listening to an interview, a recent one. I don't remember which series it is, but Guy Cooper was talking about what happened to him when he quit racing. And Roger, can you help me remember this? He, he kind of got ousted by the industry, didn't he? He was actually winning. And something happened with his contract, and he ended up switching bikes, and then kind of never got brought back. I, well, I don't remember the, how the story went. He ended up his last factory rides were for Suzuki, 
And I want to say he won for Suzuki in like 1990 or so. And then I don't know what happened. That's when Lampson's started winning after that. But I remember hmm. he did trail off faster than he should have. Yeah, he 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 told the story of what happened, and I'd swear it was basically, uh, "Hey, I'm ready to ride," if and but nobody would, nobody would uh, support him. That story rings a bell, but I don't yeah. know why that was. I I I honestly, yeah, I can think. So Stanton, he broke himself out of riding, right? Um, right? Isn't that Stanton, or am I thinking of? Uh, Ricky Johnson. Which one of those Ricky guys Johnson, broke? Ricky Johnson. John, Johnson broke his navicular and that ended his career because he tried to come back from that and right. was like sixth <laughs> and fourth. And then he just said, nope, if I can't right. win, I'm out. <laughs> Staten got beat by McGrath and that put him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. Bailey broke. He, he got broken and left. Yep. Bailey, yep. yep. Um, gosh champion winning people and then stopped writing i mean why they were champions just, he was he was getting oh, beat yeah, by, he was he got done. beat by uh like he he raced until he couldn't anymore and yeah you know arguably yeah. dungy was pretty much just at the end of his career there were just faster guys they were, um, coming up. they were coming up and he was facing burnout too because he had done that you know alden baker thing for years and years yep. and years yep. And even as a super disciplined guy that it seems like he was, even he was done with it. And I think, yeah, it, I think it was literally everything he could do to just yeah. get a fifth and, and into championship. <laughs> and I think, I, I think that Zach Osborne and Jason Anderson are battling the same thing right now. Hmm. These guys are giving yeah. it absolute all and it's just not coming through because they're facing burnout. Cooper Webb is only on year two. He's not burned out yet. You can obviously see just by his riding that he's more spry and boom, boom, I'm going to go mm -hmm. get him. Um, Anderson is just giving it his all, but there's a block under the gas pedal, and I think it's burnout. You know? Man, I'm trying to think all of these riders that we're talking about that have burnout. I can't find a thread. Cooper Webb, Jason Anderson, Ryan Dungey, Ryan Villapoto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's that what, hilarious the thread? There's there's some thread here that I can't seem to pull about mm -hmm. these hard training kids burning out. At, yes, who are also getting championships. So yeah. you, there is that scenario in there. It's when, not it's the true. only thing. All the people I mentioned are champ supercross 450 premier championship winners. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. are burned out. Yeah, I and I I must admit I. I would prefer, you know, getting a third and riding longer, but I'm not a professional rider, so I really don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> well, when, when the when the paycheck goes from three hundred thousand to a million dollars, yeah, you you're first. right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's a great point. A guy like Jason Anderson, the fact that he was able to get that Supercross championship, you can't take it away from him, even if that's the only one he ever gets. Yeah, take it away from him, and he's, you know, he got rewarded handsomely for that. More probably made more doing that than getting third place three years in a row added up you know his story reminds me of jeff emig just what happened to him when he got the championship and just the overwhelming pressure yep. of the having that that thing and and then continuing to ride after it and you know still being fantastic and clearly one of the best oh. in the world but you know not the same level yeah. of pace yeah the pinnacle um, and, 
Who? The pinnacle comes off. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great, great way of looking at it. Just kind of no more pointy point on the pin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you do have to be up on that ragged edge. You know, Tomac, um, he rides that ragged edge, but that's just his style um, more so than the rest of them right now. You know, Roxon, I don't see him on the pinnacle. When he's going fast, you can't tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Mean, he rides his he's... own race. Tomac has caught him and passed him a couple of times. And Daytona, this weekend was the first time I've ever seen in in four years that I've seen Roxon actually fight back mm-hmm. and try to keep mm-hmm. up. Most of the time, mm-hmm. it's like, nope, long game. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm going to finish this season and be there in the end. But this time is the first time I've seen him. Okay, we're going to go. Against Tomac, yes, I've I've seen it um, when he's fighting when he was fighting for the win against Anderson and against Cooper Webb last year. He did show that, but again, it was for like two laps on a standard track, and you know he wasn't trying to keep up or beat Eli Tomac when he was on a tear. Yes. This was this was pinnacle level riding yeah. that they were both doing. Definitely I'm. Sure. I wonder what their lap times were on those last two laps compared to others. Oh, I'm sure they were smoking it because they're out in yep. the lead and they had what maybe ten lap riders they hit on that last lap. Yep. But the track was at its worst too. Those are the coolest lap charts, by the way, that they show on, on the fantasy league stuff when they show the the timed the, the lap time the you know how it's all got colors and it shows where they were yeah. on RM Fantasy you SX does a really good from? job. I want yeah. to get those lap charts, but I think they make them, so <laughs> I haven't found them anywhere yet. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, the I, last the last lap, um, uh, Tomac actually Tomac and Jason Anderson both ran in the mid twelves that lap, so one minute twelve point three four for Eli Tomac. One minute twelve point four nine for Anderson, so just a tenth off. Mm-hmm. Cooper Webb was a thirteen point eight, so he was quite a ways behind them. And that's Ken why Roxon, was going so fast. He was trying to catch Webb. Ken Roxon pushed and was one point one seconds faster than Eli Tomac on that last lap. Yeah, because he did catch back up. He did, he did catch back up. Yeah, yeah. he ran a one eleven point two versus a one twelve three. Wow. And what did somebody like that was doing good? What did Justin Barsha turn? Uh, Justin Barsha, basically a 114 flat. 14. Wow. Yep. And so, Plessinger was a 14.8, as was Dean Wilson. Um, and then I'm not sure if he pulled off early, but they're crediting Tyler Bowers with a 115.7. Hmm. So. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, they they were definitely fighting. They were, you know, a second faster. At least, Tom, yeah. uh, Roxon was a second and a half faster than anyone else. And we know Anderson on the last lap was still pushing. Yeah, because he mm-hmm. was he, he had caught Cooper Webb, and he was going to see if he could get around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, did you guys listen to the post race where they were talking about how because it's twenty minutes and not twenty laps, um, that it's a totally different Daytona. No, uh, oh, it did. It did change it. I mean, it it certainly was a different race because you know twenty second a lap more over you know twenty minutes 
I, you know, I can't do the math in my head quick enough, but I mean, there have been years where, uh, you know, it went substantially over the TV time, uh, in the mud races and stuff at Daytona. Some of those were impossibly long, but they were saying how the track was not nearly as rough as it normally gets because it was timed and not lapped. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, doing 20, 20 riders, you know, five less laps, that's a hundred less uh, bike uh, passes in every corner. Ooh, and that's, that's just that the 450 a... main. Huh? That and is... that's just the 450 main. Think about, you, you yeah. added up the qualifying and then you add up the extra in the heats, extra in, you know, 450 heats, mm-hmm. both LCQs, the 250 main, then the 450 main. Mm-hmm. Completely yeah, totally. different track after an extra... Yeah you know, 500 bike laps. I, I think if it had been a normal race, uh, 20, 20 lap race, it definitely would have, we would, I don't know that we would have seen the same result, but then again, we know Eli can handle rough well <laughs> and maybe better than Roxon. So maybe this laps? was a better racing condition. How many laps did they get in? They got... Uh, I actually have it pulled up here. So 13? Or at least I did. Uh, 18. Oh, I was looking at the wrong one. Yeah. 18 actually, laps. That's not that much less, is it? So two, laps, two laps times 20. So that's 40, 40 less bikes in a lane um, than it would have been if it was 20. Well, yeah, which... that's 20 plus two though, right? It's no, if, when it was a 20 lap main, lap. was it 20 plus one? Okay, so that's three laps more times 20 bikes, so 60 bikes in a lane plus the 250. So, yeah, I mean, that's still a lot of extra ripping. Yeah, but percentage-wise, going from 18 to 20 is not a yeah, huge yeah. difference. 5%. 5%. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. You want to talk 250? Yeah. Yeah, we should probably, uh, you know, we're we're going up on on time. Let's uh, let's hit the two fifties a little bit, and we'll see if we have uh, time for a little bit of news at the end. But let's let's talk two fifties. Uh, I think the what we need to focus on here is Garrett Marchbanks. <laughs> Where did he get all that speed? Will he have that much speed in a in an indoor stadium again? That was nuts. I'm less I'm less curious about that actually. I I want to know if he's going to have that at um Hangtown in the outdoors. He definitely yeah. jetted away in his heat race and the main event. Just jetted away from the start. Wire yeah, to wire. You guys Yeah, and did you guys listen to his uh his um post-race thing? Cuz he he commented about why this was different and I honestly can't remember what he said. Huh. Yeah, you know, I did watch that, but I don't remember. He was just super pumped. <laughs> yeah, he was super pumped. And... It's it's more what he's used to, and he's done the uh, you know the RCSX stuff, you know, coming through amateurs because you know it's been there every year that he's been been racing now. So he's he's done that quite a bit. So this is kind of the most super crossy thing he'd be used to. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be the least change for him, you know, going pro and 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 doing this this sort of thing and you know being the more outdoorsy track which is what amateurs grow up doing is outdoors 
this is where I would see him kind of having his best, his best kind of race would be here. But that still doesn't that that would explain a podium. Him running away from the field and you know embarrassing you know Chase Sexton and um, uh, McElrath McElrath who who had a 15 second gap on everyone the first race and now Garrett Marchbanks mm-hmm. had you know a consistent two and a half to three second gap pretty much all race Chase Sexton kept putting on drives and it just nothing doing no remind me what so this was his first win ever if i remember correctly first heat win and first main win and um how many years has he been in now because he's been around a while no years of pro oh is it only second okay isn't isn't this his first year in supercross because he started outdoors last year second year in supercross i'm just reading it now He's actually the okay. same age as Pierce Brown, and Pierce Brown is just two races into his career. Okay. Yeah, that was it. Was an impressive ride for sure. I mean, what? And I kind of remember, but is he on a Husqvarna? No, he's a Pro Circuit. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. they I'm they sure. know what to do with speed. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I. I don't know, you know, until you see it a second time, yeah, I, you don't know what to think, but um, that, that was really amazing. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I was I was wrong. He started at Hangtown in 18, um, but he got hurt. Um, he okay. only made it, he only did Hangtown, Glen Halen, Thunder Valley, High Point, and Redbud, and then he uh, didn't finish that season, came back at A1, uh, where he got a second in San Diego, in in uh, nineteen or this year in night in nineteen. Okay, uh, so that's that was decent. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I mean, he got a good uh, result, but the rest are very scattered. Um, so yeah, he raced. He started in outdoors in eighteen. Okay. Yeah, that was that was almost boring watching him win that yeah i i kept expecting um when chase sexton you know slammed his way into second i'm like (laughs) well he'll he'll catch him because he's as me and roger discussed i think he's the fastest 250 rider in the country right now is Mm -hmm. chase sexton Mm -hmm. i expected him to to go to the front i said it'll probably take him a bit to cut down on the lead I watched it go from three and a half to two and a half to 1.9. I'm like, okay, a couple more laps and then back up to 2.3, 2.6. And it just did that for the next 10 minutes. Mm. Um, you know how I think the fastest rider is right now who's not riding? Who's not riding? Jet Lawrence. I can't wait. I am pretty sure when he gets back on a bike, it's going to be lights out. <laughs> I so I just can't wait to see him back. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> I think he's got the most potential, but he doesn't have anything to show for it yet. No, no experience. He's nothing yeah, concrete. Chase, Sexton, Chase Sexton's been. I mean, I remember when he did the um, Monster Energy Cup that first year, and it was like, wow, that guy is going to be great. And uh, yeah, he's proven it. But I think Jet's better. I I I, I agree. He's definitely he gained a ton of confidence that night that he got hurt. Yep. 
Um, he yeah. now knows he should be up there. And uh, see, remind me, he's on um, uh, Geico, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's well, he's going to be on HRC in a couple of months. Oh, yeah, but I heard Geico's closing down after Dungey left. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that was short-lived. Darn it. <laughs> so, McElrath. What's up with McElrath? Nothing's up with McElrath. He's doing what he always does. He comes out really strong at the beginning of the season, uh, holds the red plate. Everyone likes him. He's a super good guy, and everyone wants him to win, but he starts the season really well and doesn't progress. He's just always as good as he is. He's as good at the end of the season as he is at the beginning. And most people like Chase Sexton, like Dylan Ferrandis, they have to kind of find their footing, whether it's mentally or physically, and then they just get faster every race until they embarrass the rest of the field at the end of the season. <laughs> and it's, I yeah. think it's also a fitness thing. It's, you know, Sexton and Ferrandis are, especially Sexton is known to be very strong and very, like have really good conditioning and as the weeks wear on you know and they're all racing and riding and flying um you know that kind of stuff can can knock you down and these are people that don't get phased by it and keeps just keeps going at it and like me and roger discussed last weekend chase doesn't think more than one turn behind him like that's all in the past and so he's not going to go into next weekend going, I got beat by a guy who had never podiumed or had only podiumed once. Uh, He's just, well, I have a big points lead. I am the defending champion and I'm going to go out and win. And he has no doubt about that because he's just got to win this championship. So he can go on to HRC. That's a huge confidence thing. They're huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His head's in the right spot. Uh, We talk a lot about, you know, oh, this person just needs to get their head right. They're very, a very emotional rider. Like, I think that's why Barsha is not yep. up with the, with the top guys. I think it's all in his head. I think he has the talent. I think he has that bike figured out. No one else in the world, but he has it figured out. Yeah. And he could be up there battling Tomac and uh, Roxon every week, but it's, it's his head's not right in the right spot. And I think that's what Chase has. What about? Yeah, I, I, I like his demeanor. I remember when Charles and I watched him on the on the, um, the Monster Energy Cup that first year, and he was up on the podium talking. He seemed quite uh, quite in in control of himself. Well spoken, talked well about other people. I thought he seemed like a really balanced kid. You said he wasn't uh, going to go have any beer. He was going to maybe have some ice cream, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was great. <laughs> About- yeah, I also I thought the 250 was really not that exciting to watch, other than the fact that you know March Binks took the lead and never looked back. But eh, I don't know. Okay, well, what about the first lap? That was exciting when um, McElrath and um, uh, uh, Jordan Smith had their little uh, tit for tat. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, I, so I'm trying. Trying to remember who won that little exchange. <laughs> no, no one won that one. They both went down, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Roger, do you remember that? Do you have a thought on how that went down? 
you know, it almost reminded me of when Tomac took out Baggett a couple of weeks ago. Matt yep. was like, I'm getting to the front. I'm getting to the front. And he cut in too early and tried to go square up. But there, just, there wasn't room for him to do it there yet. Uh, uh, Jordan Smith was too far around that corner. That was pretty much the same thing that Eli Tomac did. They're looking too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That You saw something different than I did. Uh, how I saw it, they came over that sand jump and McElrath tried to push him out of the line. Like, you know, it that was, was clean. And yes, it was, it was clean. But I think uh, 15 feet later when they came into the turn, mm-hmm. uh, I think Jordan Smith came in on McElrath uh, like, nope, I am holding because that's very much on brand for him is Nope, I still, and he still had a wheel ahead. And he said, I'm taking my line back. And that knocked them both over. And Jordan Smith simply got the raw end of the deal. But I think that McElrath pushed and Smith pushed back. And they both ended up on the ground. And, and that could be more more alertly than when Blake Baggett cut down earlier than Tomac thought he was going to be, made it look the same. I don't think Baggett realized Tomac was there, but I do know, I do agree with you that when George Smith, Smith, Smith knew what he was doing. Was there. Yeah. Knew he was there. Yes. I, I, that would be a difference for sure. I think they were both e- expecting each other to check up and yep. yield the position. Yes. And that's what happens when you expect that. And no one, when you play chicken and no one swerves. Yeah. That's called fighting for position. Hmm. Yeah, but I would say if I had a if my wheel was in front, I would assume that I've got the I've got the line. I mean, so I I don't think it was necessarily acting over aggressively. Really, in either case, it just you can't have a collision and sometimes not fall. (laughs) I'll I'll agree that that no one was at fault for anything there. It was just two people riding aggressively, and and that simply was what happened. Yeah. Um, is that they went down. Yeah. Isn't that why we watched the two fifties? <laughs> yes. Let's see those young guys get really ultra aggressive. Uh, man, Barsha, Bam Bam Barsha was just oh, so much to watch. He was so watching him follow Plessinger, man, he was just you watch their styles are so different. <laughs> I kept expecting Barsha to reach out and kick Plessinger over with his foot. <laughs> he looks so frustrated falling around that track. <laughs> his bike is always sideways and Plessinger is always pointing straight forward. And it's, just, it's hilarious to watch yeah. the, the difference there. That is a good point. Yeah, he Plessinger definitely. Yeah, but I think if... Yeah, if Plesher was behind Barsha, I think Barsha's bike would have been straighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was, Barsha was going crazy back there trying to figure out. Yeah. It, maybe that says something about how the track conditions were that Barsha couldn't keep his bike under control and simultaneously couldn't pass Plesher. He should have been able to pass Plesher a long time before he did. Yeah. Yeah, he but Plesher has also had a really good night. Yeah, in that track. Speed. It was funny because Barsh would get up behind me and think, okay, he's going to get him. And then he'd make a mistake or whatever. And, and next thing you know, Plessinger's got some room. Yeah. Yeah. It was just funny yeah. to watch. He was aggressive it, trying to get around him. And the frustration was was out on his uh, visor for sure. 
Yeah, that was definitely, you're right. That was a fun thing to watch. Of everything else to watch, that one was pretty fun. <laughs> What's funny about that is those two guys rode together all week at Barsha's house practicing for Daytona. Huh. So they were, that got them equal speed. You know, they did, they did the same thing that, that they do at, uh, at Baker Factory and that they do with uh, Cincerello and Ken Robson. I did read something just... where uh, um, that Chase Sexton practices a lot on a 450, <clears throat> and they're saying that he at times can match those two, if not go faster. Hmm. That was can match Cincerello and Roxon. Yes, that was an interesting little read. Who said that? Uh, I don't remember who said it, but it was something I read this week about huh. you know people talking about at the you know at the private practice track that they have there that uh sexton sometimes not always but sometimes he's got something for both of them so in in the off season before uh supercross um last year so before chase sexton won his first championship mm-hmm. uh, i remember watching a video is a video or a or an, a, a podcast interview with um uh, roxon talking about and they 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 were talking about his you know who he practices with and you know how do you think Cincerillo and you know what about this Chase Sexton guy and and you know he was saying the same thing he says now about Cincerillo you know good kid really fast uh but Cincerillo or uh, uh Sexton Roxon made a point to mention he is really strong like he's like a ripped like 17 year old at this time he's like i just can't believe his work ethic at the gym and his his focus on the track and he said you need to watch this kid and i believe he said it to wygant he said you need to watch this kid because he's going to be a big deal and he's very fast and he has the potential to be dangerous Hmm. uh to, to everyone out there uh, you know, in a in a in a positive sense. You, you, so, when was this? Right before he started. This was this was off season before uh, the season that Chase Sexton won his first championship. Oh, okay. Huh. Um, so it would be um, winter of eighteen into nineteen. Hmm. This is the Roxon was saying it, and as he was kind of coming back, uh, he said, "You know, keep an eye on this on this kid. He's proven to be." very fast and they've continued to practice together and train together. Hmm. So, I mean, he's think about him picking up the aggression and the style from those two riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as, as training, as well as this confidence that he's getting by, you know, looking pretty good for defending his championship this year. Yep. He definitely is going to have a learning curve going in the 450s, but he could try to minimize that by practicing with guys on 450s on a 450. So I wanted to kind of ask in our in our, our waning minutes here, I wanted to ask uh, David a couple of things that we've kind of gone over and see his thoughts on it. Um, what is uh, Factory Yamaha going to look like next year? And don't say close down. <laughs> it, a virus. Wow. 
Good question. We're, we're, we're in agreement that it's going to be uh, Barsha and Ferrandis. I think Ferrandis is going to find a different team. But I do think Barsha will still be there. And if and if Ferrandis does find a different team, um, which I think it'd be cool if he went to Team Honda, but anyway, um, and rode with Roxon, that would be freaking awesome. Um, but... If if I'm right, I don't know who the, I don't know if they would do a second person. They might not. But so they would rather have no one than Plessinger. <laughs> I guess it depends on how Plessinger finishes out this season. If he keeps doing what he's doing, yeah, and maybe they would keep him. I, I'm I'm thinking of money. You know, one of the reasons I'm thinking of money is because if they start closing on all of this year's <laughs> races, anyway, I, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, but I. I don't know. I, I have, I don't see them ramping up. And if you're not ramping up, I'm not sure that you're necessarily staying even. So who, who do they, who's, who's running the team now there at Yamaha? Is it, is it Japan running it right now? Or I, I don't know who's running it. It It is factory Yamaha. It's not, Al, um, it's not um, Albert Jim. What's the guy used to be McGrath's Jim Holly. Uh, no. no, no, not not Holly. The other uh, guy, I think black still, hair. Hmm. I think Keith McCarthy is still running the team. I oh, think. Oh, is he? Okay. I don't know. I I guess I I don't know why I would think one way or another about it. I just it's been ever since the JGR thing and the whole thing with uh, James Stewart, you know, getting on and off of the bike and then getting on and off it again, and um, I, I just I just never have had a good feeling that that Yamaha is really doing something. So they seem to really be stuck on that reverse engine design. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if that's what messed with them. You know, but, you know, Barsha's figured out a way to ride it. Um, he has. He has. So it's not that it's totally unrideable. No. Even Cooper Webb. But it I'm, seems to be pretty rare. It does seem to be rare. I agree. So I don't know. I, I, I think... Uh, I, I think Barsha will take a champion, a, a factory level ride that he can get. And I think he could get that one. Mm-hmm. I think if he could get a different one, he probably would. I don't know that he could get a different one. Um, seems oh. like, you know, he, he's a top six guy. So yeah. I don't know if that gets you, you know, your choice of factory rides, mm-hmm. but maybe it gets you Yamaha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know well, what did how, you guys what did you guys come up with? We we decided it would be uh Ferrandis that they would that they'd pick up Ferrandis for Team Yamaha and run him along with Barsha. Because hmm. that's kind of because he points out Ferrandis points out because uh, two championships. Yeah, he has to go four fifty. I think if I think he's going to get a different offer and he's going to take it. Well, Yamaha has a history of picking up championship 250 riders and ruining them. (laughs) (laughs) Which might be why Ferrandis is smart enough not to go that way. I just, I can't imagine Ferrandis being comfortable on that bike. Well, we've seen if you're comfortable on the, on the 250, you're generally not on the 450. Yeah, but I think we've seen a lot of people say that the Yamaha 250 is a is a fantastic bike, and very few people say that about the 450. Right. So I think yeah. Ferran, 
Ferrandis is going to have this expectation for the bike performance, and he's not going to get it. And he's not going to sit around and wait for it. I think he's going to have choices. Yeah, I think he would have choices. I would agree with that. But where do you think if where do you think he'll end up? Do you think he'll end up with? Because I think Muscan's still going to be there next year. Um, I don't, I don't think, think he he's... would go KTM. Uh, did well, he I mean, ride KTM in 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 uh, in Europe? Did he? I think I don't was know that if... Rockies at one time, but I don't recall if he ever rode a KTM. Yeah, I'm trying to think of teams that he would gel really well with. I mean, it might be cool for him and and uh, Muscan to be together, but I don't I don't think they're they're French buddies. Well, I don't see I don't see another team that has room. I mean, I don't see HRC giving up Roxen or Sexton for him. I don't see KTM giving up uh, Muscan or Webb. Okay, hold it. You're telling me you put Chase Sexton and, and Dylan Ferrandis together and you choose Sexton over Ferrandis? Well, Sexton already has the Honda contract for next year. That's the thing oh, is he's already he's already there next year. They're not oh, going okay. to break they're not yeah. going to break Sexton or um that's things. All of these contracts are done. Yeah. Okay. Is my point. No one they're not no one's gonna break contract for him. Um so the only places he could go is a third bike somewhere or the Yamaha or JGR. That's that's what there is. Or Rocky or Rocky Mountain, but I don't think that's what he I think he'd rather be factory. at factory Yamaha than at Rocky Mountain KTM, which I don't think I kind of put them more in line. What um, about Geico? Geico running a, a, a four fifty bike. If they're gonna run a four fifty bike, they're gonna do it for Jeremy Martin. Jeremy Martin, yeah. Hold it. You're telling me that if Geico had a choice, they would choose Jeremy Martin over Dylan Ferrandis. So I'm saying Geico would, yes. Certainly under contract, yeah. Oh, because of the freaking contract, yeah. yeah. Do you think he would ride again? He'll, he, they're not done. Neither one of the Martin boys are done riding, so oh, you're right. They, yeah. I think um, um, Amart's getting close to, to mm-hmm. calling it a day. I, I mean, think this is his last contract. Yeah, I think he's got two years. Yeah. If he can pick it up outdoors, then he'll keep going, but he's getting tired. Here's what I think will happen if Ferrandis ends up on the Yamaha. He will freaking hate it and <laughs> will not be on, on a Yamaha the next year. Yeah, like Cooper I, Webb. I, yeah, yes, like Cooper Webb, although I thought Coop did it two years. Coop did, did do two years. I think yeah. uh, what um, David is referring to is more of a James Stewart Yamaha yes, thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. No, Break I, a contract said, and get out. <laughs> says some mean things and gets the contract voided. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I don't know. He's just such a doggone good writer. I just yeah. can't imagine somebody not doing anything they can do yeah. to make yeah. it possible. You know what? Let me say it this way. For, if Ken Roxon can't pull off the championship this year, I think Honda would be willing to give another rider. I don't mean in place of Roxon, but another rider who has the same level of potential and more years and less less brokenness. <laughs> how they, I, how they might do a third rider. Isn't Ferrandis darn near the same age as Kenny? 
Yeah, he's got to be 24. Oh, yeah, you're right. He's a little older. I forgot about that. But he's not as broken. (laughs) (laughs) No, nobody's as broken. Although Ferrandis, I know, has that whole, I don't remember what the thing is he has. He has a, is it, not emphysema, but it's asthma, right? Oh, that's not unusual. Yeah, but I mean, he can't work out as much, and that might affect him on the 450. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, do you remember that? There was a documentary that went out on that thing last year or two, oh, two years ago. I didn't know that. Okay, huh. Yeah, there, if you look up Ferrandis, I think it's asthma. Um, he talks all about how his, he has a very limited schedule for working out because he can't. All the more impressive that he does what he does. No wow. kidding. The guy is a freaking yeah. talent. But yeah, I, I, I'd forgotten about that till just now, and that makes me wonder how well he'll do on a 450. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. I mean, he does good outdoors in the 250s. He's there at the end of the race. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know. Yeah, I'll have to find that one. If you can't find it, let me know, Roger, because you, you would love to, to see this story. It's it's pretty yeah. impressive. Wow. Huh. Now I'm impressed more. Yeah, I I don't know. I he he needs a he needs the best up. Op- he, he's somebody is gonna snatch him up and it I'll and say he, if if you've if someone's been trying to talk their factory into giving them a third bike, it would be for him. And I think who should be worried is either Plessinger or Dean Wilson because if if Star could pick up Dylan Ferrandis, they might be one of the most potentially powerhouse teams, especially the chance of Dylan Ferrandis possibly going to Baker Factory. I mean, mm-hmm. that could be that could be the silver bullet. Is talking Husqvarna, Husqvarna, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that would be interesting. He'd, yeah, I'd, I'm not too sure that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't well, know I mean, why. I Red, keep... Red Bull has had a third rider for, um, like they did for Trey Kennard and they did for Brock Tickle. But I think with them, with them putting them and Honda putting their weight behind their satellite teams Mm -hmm. this year, especially, I think they are much less likely to pump more money into a third rider because logistically that means another semi. Kawasaki is the only one that might make room for it. But I think with salaries are having to pay the two guys they got, they're not spending at all. Yeah, I think it's just unfortunately for Ferrandis, this is one of the most challenging times for a, a team. Like teams are just they're already signed. Yeah. If he if he was up next year, he'd have a better chance. Mm-hmm. Maybe Yamaha for a year or two while he waits for Muscan's spot to open up, or you know, in two years, Muscan and Tomac and Roxon are going to be looking. Mm-hmm. on their way out but yeah. at that point you know dylan's 25 26 mm-hmm. so he's just in a tough spot yeah it is bad timing like kevin Lindham. <laughs> <laughs> there's times you want to walk in the room and there's times you want to wait <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious on that note i think i'm gonna ask does anyone have uh have any any final things they wanted to talk about before we uh, before we start wrapping things up? Well, I think we covered everything that I kind of had in mind. Uh, oh, no, yeah. but I will definitely be. Uh, I don't know about you, Randy, because you live in the wrong state. But 
Um, <laughs> definitely be reaching out to you, Roger, if it looks like I'm going to be putting myself on two wheels this summer. Still not a done deal. I still have a chance of selling everything, but i am got some other things going on and switching up. So I'll, I'll let you know if it's going to happen. Okay. You have I'll to take ready. me out and break me in. You know, I'll be on the trail anyway. Yeah, you will be. <laughs> I'll be on the trail for years and years to come. I'd love to hear it. It's just who I am and what I do. <clears throat> when I'm when I make it out to the track out here, I'll uh, I'll I'll put a picture out. Yep. Yep. But definitely trying. We'll both try and get out this year. How's how's that for a goal? I haven't been I out in over it. a year, so. I love it. Let's try it. I'll encourage right. you guys without badgering you. You gotta ride. Once, <laughs> okay. Let me go back to a story. I have a friend of mine that a friend of ours got uh, injured really badly um, a couple years ago, and this friend of mine I've known since I was ten years old. And when this other friend got hurt really badly, he was done. He wasn't gonna ride anymore. And I went over to his shop and talked to him. And I said, you know what? I said, one more time before you say you're not going to do this anymore, you have to get on a motorcycle, put your helmet on, put all your gears on. And I don't care if it's a parking lot in front of your shop. Go out there and shift from first to second and second to third and tell me you're not smiling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and he did that. He still rides today all the time. Yeah. He was going to quit. I hear you, buddy. It scared him. It scared him. And, you know, you got to be, you wouldn't be normal if you weren't a little bit scared. I almost gave it up uh, after going down on the pavement at, at Glen Halen. I had to, I had to really consider, you know, the six weeks that I was missing skin and hobbling around. <laughs> You know, I had, I got, I got two kids. I'm young. Like I'm, you know, my knees are already not great. Is this the right decision? And, you know, every time I watch a race or even riding on the kids track behind uh, my five-year-old, I mean, I tried to behave, but I might've railed a couple of berms while I was there. And, and you know, smile after you did that. Yeah. yeah. It's just too it. much fun to not keep yep. doing, you know, just, Maybe I'll not do a national level uh, event where there's a bunch of people hung over from the night before. Right. right. Or you go, or you just go out trail riding, you well, know, care if you don't get past third gear, but you'll still smile as you sightsee and that thing pulls you along. You don't have to be clearing big tabletops. You just have to let it pull you along. It's not a bicycle you're pedaling. It just pulls you along. It sounds good. It feels good. You know you got all your nice gear on, and you blip the throttle a little bit, and you look back, and it tosses some dirt back there. Oh, yeah. Like we talked about last week with with Brian and his his injury, um, you just got to find your level and have fun and be comfortable with it. You know, you're you're not racing for for, – you know, money, just have fun with it. And we're not sit on the couch and eat good and, and all that kind of stuff. That's not what we're here for. There's parts of our lives we have to enjoy. And if motorcycling does that for you, do it. Yep. Doesn't. Well, Randy, I don't know if you know this, but they have a whole section of that track that's on dirt. You don't have to have to ride the pavement. (laughs) I wish, I wish I could have gone around the pavement. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I look I look forward to hearing how it all goes for us, uh, or at least Randy and I and Roger, I know it's going to continue to go well for you. So I'll, keep I'll us uh, keep us informed. I'll send you pictures next week. But next Thursday, I like it. Start. Oh yeah, you're gonna because you're gonna get your your last track off your bucket. Oh, next last track off your bucket list. That's right. I only have one left that I want to get to that I want to ride. I might need to ride uh, Hangtown too. It doesn't look too bad. And then you're well, done with California, but back uh, that's halfway back. So we'll see. That, that's cool. Excellent. Um, well, then uh, I think we'll just go through some quick admin and uh, and then we'll say uh, goodnight. Uh, just wanted to thank you guys both for coming on and, and doing the show. I appreciate it. Um, and we appreciate everyone listening. Uh, check out the Loose Spokes Instagram. I'm trying to be a little bit more active on that. We'll uh, get some pictures up about kind of what we talked about today, snowmobile pictures and, and uh, the old IT uh We'll see what we can get thrown up there. Uh, check out the other shows. If you like uh, automotive stuff, check out Garage Night. Uh, and the new retro tech segment is a little 8 to 10 minute snippet of uh, automotive history. Um, and if you like video games, check out Just Another Side Quest. And, um, you know, all of the normal things. Uh, definitely interact and give us some feedback and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, say good night. Cool. Good night. Thanks, guys. All right. Good night. See you, Roger. See you, Randy. See you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Loose Spokes podcast. A special thanks for Jahazer for the use of their song, The Last Ones, under the Attribution Share Alike license.